I've been thinking about building another PC. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's for my sister. Um, she has a year left before she goes to college, so. Yeah. What kind of specs are you thinking? Um, I'm actually going to go Intel this one. Really? Um, it's cheaper for me at this point, in, um, which I did hear that people were actually... Um, the mine mining, like Bitcoin mining, all that actually come way down. So graphics cards are at a record high uh, price slash. Yeah. So you can get a thirty ninety like they like a couple months ago they were two thousand dollars, now they're a thousand, like they're they have completely slashed. Wow. So, um, but I'm thinking uh, Intel board. I'm gonna do an all white theme because I thought that would look pretty cool. I'm gonna do mini ITX. Uh, Core i3, I think it's like 12, 10, or 12 100. Um, again, doesn't need to be that powerful, so I'm gonna just gonna use my 1050 Ti that I have laying around. But I'm actually gonna try an adventure that I've wanted to do, and I wanted to mod um, the faceplate, the grill. I want to paint it white. Really? Because right now it's it's black and red, so that, that wouldn't really match with the system. So I'm thinking to like put like a special color film over the lights, so they actually change the color to the color that I would like. And then to like paint the case or paint the casing of the GPU white. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So, um, how about this? Like, this is a question for you. Uh, household gadgets. Uh, which one do you use every day? Like smart devices wise. Uh, all of them. So, I mean, our, the way we currently run our house, we have, I have an instance of home assistant, um, that's running on a Raspberry Pi that basically controls all of the smart stuff in our house. So our security system I have tied into it, our camera system I have tied into it, our lights I have tied into it, and I basically just built a whole bunch of automations around that that um, goes into like when the security system is armed, you know, turn on all the camera, like the cameras that we have inside the house have the ability to like turn away and go into a privacy mode. Um, so I have this automation built that like when the security system is armed, they un they go out of privacy mode, they turn on, they face the room. Uh, and when the security system is disarmed, meaning we're home, they go back into privacy modes that, you know, we don't get spied on by our own equipment kind of a thing. Um, yeah. Emily being, uh, from a security background, um, and myself being, you know, just in the IT world in general, that's, you know, the thing we were both kind of concerned about. So we have, uh, we, yeah, we have this tie into our security system through Home Assistant that allows us to turn on and off our internal cameras as we, as we see fit. We also have a thing, um, and this is purely through HomeKit, um, we have automations that like when the sun goes down in somebody's home the lights will come on you know they'll fade on gradually uh when nobody's home and it's after dark and somebody gets home it'll turn on the garage lights so we can see our driveway that kind of you know just simple stuff like that um sure so you know home assistant is, is a big thing that we use here um and as we're moving into our new place um i'm gonna look into doing things like more like Zigbee and Z-Wave switches and sensors and stuff like that, just so that we can really kind of take full advantage of all of the, the home assistant and home kit technology that's out there right now. Cause it's really a cool space with, with all of the advancements that have been made and whatnot. And there's really some cool things you can do with it. So I'm excited to, to kind of dive down that path uh, as we move into our new place. So yeah, home assistant is a big one. What's another one. Okay. This is going to sound really stupid. Hit me with it. 
our cat's auto feeder. <laughs> it's not smart. It doesn't have any connectivity. It's not Wi-Fi enabled. It's not anything. It's literally yep. just a hopper with a timer with a bowl. But it is the greatest thing since sliced bread because that cat has a schedule. She wants food at 4.30. And if she doesn't get food at 4.30, she will wake us up and tell us that she needs food. So that thing goes off. She will perk right up and run straight to the bowl. It is. Seriously, it's the best thing ever. It keeps us from having to wake up and deal with that. We don't have to remember to feed her. We can go away for the weekend. And it just takes care of it. Oh my god, it is the greatest thing ever. Trust me, I want an automated feeder that would just feed me. Right, yeah. You don't even have to have to get out of bed. Just have this, you know... Yeah, just have a big tray with like a slice of pizza. Just slide down the tray and just land it in my mouth while I'm sleeping. And I'll wake right up and I'll start chewing. Right, just have a Back to the Future contraption that, uh, you know, starts making eggs and feeds the dog and, you know, sets off the, the all the things. And burn some toasts. And, yeah, burnt toast doesn't taste that good, but you know what does? Pumpkin spice. Because, and I say this, I actually don't really like pumpkin spice. Um... But I say this oh, because... Oh, you're... Septem- hold on. You're about to offend a whole demographic of white girls out there. I know. And I'm sorry. I like pumpkin pie, but I just don't like pumpkin spice. But saying that, uh, September is upon us, which means fall is coming. Um, I already... Actually, the other day I was driving uh, with my family and we actually saw trees that had leaves changing already. Really? Yes. Um, it was by a, cam- a college campus and we just saw the leaves changing and actually some of them were falling off the tree already. So that tree's a little bit early, but I know it's w- what to come. So we usually have decorations in the fall. I don't know about you, um, but how does that tie in with household gadgets? Like, do you have smart outlets? Do you have smart outdoor outlets? Do you have some other stuff that may help with these decorations? So that kind of ties back into that whole home assistant thing I was talking about earlier. For like, we don't do a whole lot for just like fall in general, but like when it comes time to like Christmas, um, we go gung ho. Um, you know, the lights on the house, the you know tree in the window, the whole nine, um, and those. Yeah, I, I use um, yeah smart outlets that end up getting adopted into home assistant and their go home kit um to to control those so i usually end up like last year what i did was i put uh lights on the garage because the way our current house is is we have a detached garage um off to the rear and kind of right offset um so i had uh lights up on the roof of the house and then i had lights up on the roof of the garage as well and those were on two separate outlets um and last year i tried these um they're just the walmart brand wi-fi outlet it was the the mercury it uses the same tuya api that like every single smart device on the face of the planet seems to use um so i tried those last year and at the time they didn't work all that great they were they fine but they were slow, and that was because, as with all the other Tuya integrated devices, you know, you have to send the command in the app, it reaches out, it phones home to a server, and then comes back and tells the outlet or switch or whatever have you to turn on. Um, this year, I've found, I, I, I've started using, since then, um, Zigbee devices. It's a completely local protocol. It's so much faster than that ever was. So I think I might try and find some Zigbee or Z-Wave like outdoor outlets this year. Stuff that doesn't, you know, pollute up my Wi-Fi. At the same rate, though, I've also found Home Assistant has a local Tuya integration. And what that basically does is it takes the control of the outlets back and keeps it on your local network. It doesn't replace the 
functionality of, you know, you open the app and tell it to do a thing, phones home to the server, and then comes back to the outlet. doesn't replace that, but it works in parallel to that. So what, I'm, what I mean is, on the Home Assistant instance, you have this local to you integration, and it basically exposes a switch entity. You can turn it on, turn it off, etc. But then it sends a local signal to across your Wi-Fi network to the device. It doesn't phone home to the server, whatever. It all happens straight on your network. So even if yeah. your ISP is having problems, it all stay like it would still work. The problem we were having at the time was, you know, we live in Wisconsin. There's lots of snow here. When lots of heavy snow happens, sometimes the internet isn't always the best. And what would happen is when the internet's out, we wouldn't be able to control any of our lights because at that time, everything on our everything in our smart home, quote unquote, was that kind of like two-year smart thing. It was all Wi-Fi based. It all had to phone home, blah, 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 blah. This year, I've switched pretty much everything I can over to Zigbee and Z-Wave so that when the internet drops, we don't notice a problem. We can still turn on our lights and see after seven o'clock when the sun goes down at, you know, four o'clock in the winter. So we're going to try that out this year. I'm going to try and either if I can, I'm going to try and find some Zigbee stuff or Z-Wave. And if I can't, we're just going to use the local to you and segment it out to a secure VLAN on our network and not think about it anymore because local to you has been working so much more reliably for every other light that uses it in our house. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of lighting, I actually switched to Philips Hue um, only because uh, stores were clearing it out because um, I think they were just weren't offering it anymore um, in stores, in certain stores. Uh, so I actually switched over to that. That is a lot faster. Real-time follow-up, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, the Philips Hue hub, I believe, uses the Zigbee protocol to communicate with the yep. lights, I think. Uh, yes, so in theory, you wouldn't even if you had other Zigbee lights and and switches and sensors and stuff, you wouldn't need uh, the Philips Hue hub to use Philips Hue lights. You would just need to figure out how to put them into a pairing mode, and then let Correct. Zigbee adopt them in Home Assistant. Potential way to save yourself a little money. Uh, yes. Um, again, um, at the moment, I just got it to. Um, I I had them actually when I was moving into the apartment, so I needed lights. Um, so I have them hooked up. I have them actually, uh, they work great. Uh, home Ass I actually don't even need to use Home Assistant because HomeKit is actually enabled automatically on Philips Hue, um, which I have to say I really do like HomeKit. Um, actually, I might say better than Google Home. The interface is a lot more user-friendly. Um, you can you can just make it just your own. And it works uh, especially good on Apple, especially like if I want to tell um, Siri to turn on my lights in my apartment, I actually can do it from my watch. And I would agree with that. I definitely like uh, HomeKit more than I like like the Google Home app. The only problem with HomeKit that I've noticed is there's no real easy way to turn on and off all the lights in the room. Yes, you can, um, like if you click into a room in the Home app, hang on, I'm trying to pull up a live demo on my, on my Mac here. Um, actually, this even doesn't even work on the Mac. Um, in the new version of the uh, Home app on the iOS 16 beta, what you can do is go to um, like a room. So like here, I'll click on the bedroom room, and you should be able to like tap on the header of like the lights. I don't know if that doesn't even seem to be working. All right, so this just, I mean, confirms my my complaint that there's really no easy way in the Home app, 
in the Apple HomeKit app to turn on and off all the lights in a room other than setting up scenes. And that's all fine and good, but I really don't want to clutter up my HomeKit view with a bunch of scenes. So if you if anybody can find a way to do that or has noticed a way to do that that I you know haven't, please let me know. I know that there's a way that when you like have the lights on, there'll be a little thing that says like, hey, there's two lights on in this room. And if you tap that, it'll turn them all, it'll turn those two lights off. But from a resting state, like I'm looking at my bedroom room right now and I see the window fan and the two bedside lamps. And if I tap the lights, like the lights header, it doesn't do anything. Now, if I turn on a lamp, I see a thing at the top that says light on and I can tap that and it'll turn the light off. So you have quick access to turn off all the lights, but there isn't a quick access to turn them all on. And I find that mildly frustrating. And that's honestly the only reason that I can still keep the Google Home app around right now is so that I can easily just quickly one touch, turn on all the lights in a room. Which I mean, Apple's been listening lately to a lot of things that people have wanted. So hopefully they listen. Oh yeah, they're definitely specifically going to listen to our little podcast. No, not our little podcast, but... Um... Yes, so I got new hardware to record um, this podcast and our other podcast, um, the Pasadena Recollection. If you want to go listen to that, maybe you should go listen to it right now. Maybe, 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 but maybe listen to us first. Uh, uh, yeah, listen to us first. Um, anyway, I ha- I got a new microphone, if you may have sounded. I remember how much last year, if you want to go watch our really old episodes of the Wheezing Wide View where, where you search it, it would be a medical condition. Um. But I got recently a blue Yeti micro, uh, only because my other mic was dying. My Amazon mic that I think I paid like $25 for just couldn't cut it anymore. It wasn't sounding good. It wasn't doing anything good. So it was just really, I don't know, buggy? Yeah, it didn't exactly sound all that great. It did not. So I have a new head, uh, I have a new microphone with a pop filter on it. And I also recently, actually a couple days ago, bought a new headset. It is wireless. I've wanted a wireless headset for a while because I'm sick of the cords hanging down by the desk. And when I go to get up, it just rips the headphones off my head because I always forget that I have them on. Um, These are very lightweight. They are 7.1 surround sound. Um, They have a detachable mic. Um, I don't know if anybody has heard of this brand before, but it's like Rokecat or Rokecat. They are actually made by like in I think in accordance with Turtle Beach and there was another company that was actually in, in charge of them can't remember I think it was Lenovo I think Lenovo and Turtle Beach um, the model is called the Elo E L O 7.1 Airs and they do really feel light they feel really nice on my head I think I've been wearing them now for a solid hour and I've noticed no discomfort um, I've also noted that um, reviews have said you can get up to 24 hours of charge. It has USB-C cable to charge, and it is very nice. Um, we did include a, a note, uh, a link in the no- uh, show notes for them, if you would like to take a look at them. Uh, I personally uh, got them on clearance because, you know me, I am very cheap, um, and I try not to pay full price for especially expensive tech hardware. Um, so I like them. Uh, And they're actually glasses-friendly. It says right on the box. I have the box right in front of me, and it says they're glasses-friendly. So as a full-time glasses wearer, um, it was music to my ears. You don't always skimp out on technology as far as cost goes. For I mean, for example, you just 
dished out what three hundred dollars for a UDM Pro. Tell me about how that's going. Uh, it was actually five hundred. <laughs> Holy cow! I know, I know. Uh, but this was the special edition model, only because um, it had PoE. And it continues the symphony of simplicity because the other night I actually was playing around with VLANs. Um, uh, currently, I just had my default network. Um, I didn't like how cluttered up it was getting. So I made two other networks. I did a guest network. So that will be for everybody, anybody that comes over to my apartment. They will get uh, the guest Wi-Fi or if they have a LAN device, I will just switch the port over to the guest network. Um and it's separated from my default network, so no one can see like my servers or anything like that on the guest network. Um, and then I also made a IoT network, which will allow it to do like any Google devices and stuff and like that. And I told it not to talk to the default network. It can talk to the guest network just fine, but it cannot talk to the default. The default's all mine. It's under lock and key. It's mine. So, so I have a point of inquiry for you on that note. Um, sure, sure. You say the Google devices are all on an IoT network. I yes. would recommend that you allow a little bit amount of traffic between um, your internal network and a uh, Google devices at the very least, simply because um, I know for like casting and whatnot, you need to be on the same local network. Um, for for like the Chromecast, it doesn't matter because there is a setting that you can turn on. I believe it's called like guest mode or something that like throws a local, it, it basically broadcasts a local network and then throws a pin up on the screen that it makes you type in. Um, but as far as like just regular casting, I think you need to have communication like on the same local network between the source device and the Google device. I might be wrong on that, but the last time that I tried to do a lot of casting, because I tried to do the same thing. I tried to segment these out into uh, separate networks, and it was starting to throw some issues at me. So basically what I ended up doing to solve this problem was I just created a, um, a static IP uh, reservation for my known Google devices and then allowed traffic from my from my internal network and to those um, and only those so that the rest of the crap on the IoT network wouldn't be able to deal with it. May I come back to that with a ubiquity right hook? Okay. So, um, this was just testing last night, but with a few easy clicks, I am actually able to have a certain VLANs talk to each other. So I can actually have the Google devices talk to the default network or even the guest network. Um, so say like I have a clock in the office, which the office does have a spare bed. So if someone decides to stay, they can hook up to the guest network and they are allowed to cast stuff to the office clock specific stuff like my own bedroom clock and stuff like that will remain on the default network so i may just be able to do stuff like that again this has been such a, a, a learning process for me with uh, vlans especially with um, different wi-fi networks uh, different ip ranges because uh, i don't really do a lot with networking but i have to say i really do like working with networking um, specifically ubiquity but i'd like to open up to other networks as well um, network devices um, uh, I personally have just a, an HP switch that I play around with, uh, so uh, sometimes back when I was in college, um, it's actually still being used to this day. Um, but man, the ubiquity stuff is just, uh, you pay the price, but it is worth it. Sometimes it is just worth it. 
Speaking of being worth it, I notice a entry in the show notes here, I'm assuming you put this in, that the 14 and 16 inch uh, M1 MacBook Pros are on sale. Correct. Um, the MacBook Pro 14 and 16 inch, you know, the ones that were released, I think about a year ago, um, they had MagSafe, finally. Um, and this is a this is an article on Mac Rumors that we included the link down in the show notes that you can take a look. Uh, Mac Rumors has reported a record high price cut from Amazon only. This is not from Apple or anybody else. This is just from Amazon. This is from this is from Bezos. Um, it is a four hundred dollar discount on select Apple MacBook Pro fourteen and sixteen inch models. I did a little bit of digging, and it looks like it is just with the M1 Pro models, no Macs. Um, and it is also just with um, 16 gigs of RAM because that's the base amount and then a 500 gig hard drive or I say hard drive SSD. Um, but that's for both 14 to 16 inch models. So if I had the money to just toss around, I would personally go for a 16 inch model because they are awesome. I've seen one in person. I've seen what the display is like. I've seen what the sound is like. But it, unfortunately, uh, about a year and a half ago, I bought a 13 inch MacBook Pro M1 and I should have waited. What are your opinions on this uh, big price cut? I like to see it, obviously. Um, I love Apple hardware. If they can make it as cheap as possible, that's awesome. My guess is that this is just Amazon trying to move some extra inventory that they've got in preparation for an Apple event coming up. I don't think necessarily that we're going to see laptop hardware tomorrow. I think it's just going to be our usual iPhone, Apple Watch, and maybe an AirPad. Uh, wow, AirPods and iPad. Um, an AirPad? Whoa, AirPad. ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, an AirPad. The AirPad. TMN. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. AirPad. Yeah. So I think tomorrow's. Um, I think tomorrow's event. We're just going to see the iPhone, the iPad, AirPods, and the Apple Watch. I don't think we're going to see any laptop hardware. But usually there is one more event uh, in the fall. I think that is around normally around uh, late October or early November. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it out of line at all to to be seeing. Um, new 14 and 16 inch pros uh so i think that uh amazon putting this 400 hundred dollar credit on on last year's model is kind of in preparation uh so that they can move as much inventory as possible before that point i really do hope um a new macbook pro is on the horizon because of course they just released them too actually first uh during wwdc which was very unexpected um but yes that i would really be excited um to see a macbook a new macbook pro um, we, uh, Apple seems to like to stick pro on everything because our next topic is actually, um, continuing from last week or last episode's topic, which is the Apple watch pro. And what do we know so far about it? So it is rumored. Uh, first thing is the Apple watch, uh, like pro, like what is it? What are its features? Uh, this could be more rugged. It could be a more rugged Apple watch with a bigger display between 47 and 48 millimeters. Uh, of course, Apple is being nice. For once and all bands will still be compatible from regular apple watch models to the apple watch pro um, and of course battery life improvements will be coming but i actually did not see any new chips any new hardware no i don't think i don't think this uh release is going to be a whole lot in the way of hardware like change internal changes um it looks like really all that's going to be different is we might have like a, a larger squared off uh, display. Um, the Apple Watch Pro looks like it's going to feature a 47 millimeter case size um, at, while the uh, Series 7 um, will be available in 41 and 45. So it looks like this Pro is going to be a, a, a larger machine. It's going to be uh, 
1.99 inches uh, in the diagonal. It's also possible that it's going to be a, uh, a more rugged model designed for high impact activities. Uh, yes, um, we also included another MacRumor um, link that actually has the CAD design of what they said it's supposed to look like. And actually, if you notice, um, there's little like metal prongs around the, the, the digital crown. It looks like to protect it. So I'm, I'm not so sure how that would work. Um, it also kind of looks stupid in my opinion because it looks like it, your Apple Watch has fangs and it's trying to bite your wrist. But it, I don't know. I, I just see like if it's trying to use or like trying to squeeze out a lot more money from people, I don't think this is the way to do it with just like adding Pro to something. Well, squeeze out money it will because the Watch Pro is expected to land somewhere between 900 and $1,000. Um, way more than your typical just plain series. And I think that's trying to fill the void from when Apple first released the Apple Watch and had the solid gold model that ranged about $10,000 or so. Um, since they don't offer that anymore, I guess it's kind of hard for them to try to make money somewhere. So I guess the Apple Watch Pro um, is the way to do that, but I guess it's for the richie rich folk. Um, I will not be getting one. I don't uh, know about you. Yeah, I will not. There's no way. In but I mean, I would maybe see where the Apple Watch Series 8 goes and see if... Um, if I'd be able to buy one, um, because well, who knows? I guess we'll see tomorrow. Um, which reminder for tomorrow's Apple event? Uh, we have a link for the time zone that you can watch it in. The Apple event tomorrow will be at 12 noon in Central Time. It'll be 10 a.m. Uh, Pacific Daylight and 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight. If you're not in one of those time zones, there'll be a link to everytimezone.com to show you where it'll be your local time. Um, so I see here that Apple TV is getting 5.1 channel surround sound. Is this everywhere? So, no, this is for YouTube. This is for the YouTube TV app. So subscribers to the YouTube TV cable, uh, I guess, IPTV service, uh, for supported YouTube TV content, you will be able to get 5.1 surround sound finally for Apple TV and Fire TV, um, this, uh, for the hardware, um, this has been a long time in the running. Unfortunately, if you have a gaming console, you probably you won't, you will not get this update quite yet. Um, but for those of us who have Apple TVs, uh, we can finally make use of the the full theater quality awesomeness that is our super way overpriced surround sound setup. Yes. So it won't just be your uh, your private library that you'll be able to to uh, to hear uh, birds behind you with anymore. It'll be uh, on YouTube TV. Yay. So too bad I don't have really any time to watch YouTube TV. I don't really watch it. So <laughs> much more important shows to watch like Ted Lasso on Apple TV. Absolutely. Can't wait for it to come back. So speaking of tease like Ted Lasso, um, oh we are going God. to move on to our triple T, which is our throwback tech topic. As you may know, this is our last topic of the episode and we like to end it with a little nostalgia. So this week's topic, since we didn't have one last week, I actually came up with one. It is called Old Software. What was our favorite and what did we like about it? So I'll have you go first. What was your favorite piece of software from when you can remember? Mm, I think I'm going to go with Tux Paint. So what was the Tux Paint and why did you like it so much? So Tux Paint was just a really, it was an old like raster graphics editor. It was, it, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't anything real special about it. It was literally just a... a paint program but it was one that was on all of the computers in the computer lab uh when i was in elementary school so this was like my first foray into 
designing terrible computer graphics, which by the way, I did not go on to become a graphics designer. I'm awful at it. And any app that you'll ever see that I have ever made is either terrible as far as user interface design goes, or I had outside help. But it, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's just a, I don't know. It's just a, an image editor. I'm going to throw mean, a, uh, an image to Garrett quick on the, on the private chat, and I'll make it the, the chapter art for, for my portion oh, here. But look at that. Look at how like awful and awesome this is at the same time. <laughs> so that does look really cool. I accidentally sent you the same image twice. I just realized that in the show notes, my favorite piece of software is also a painting one, but I forgot the name. So I found it. It is called Kid Picks Studio on Windows. And I'm going to shoot over my co-host Nate a image of what the software looked like. So just like him, the same story with me, back in elementary school, this software was on every single computer in the computer lab. And I remember... Back in first grade, we would go in there with our floppy disks, or three and a quarter, and we could save our kid pics um, images to the floppy so we could actually continue earlier on. Um, and I remember just these all these crazy animations that you could do, all these crazy effects that you could do with the paintbrush, and especially how you could erase it. Like, you don't just say new and close, and then it would just be done. You would actually get to do, like all these different like effects like you, you could do this thing called polka dot where there would be all these different polka dots on the screen until it would just turn back into a white screen like you don't know how it would happen you don't know but it, it was just so cool and oh, i remember all the sounds i remember the startup sound from the program and to this day i'm still trying to find a copy of it to relive those days just and i know i would just scribble on the screen and do the cool effect with the noises and stuff but because of course i can't draw but I just, oh, it is just pure nostalgia when I see that Kid Picks logo. You remember maps testing? I do. That software was actually really old as well. I hated maps testing. I, uh, I didn't. It wasn't even that bad. It just, I don't know. I hated it. It was a test. I was young. I hated it. <laughs> I remember some students, um, I would attempt to try. Other students would click so fast through that program, they'd be done in under five minutes, and then this teacher would say to do the test again. I don't even remember. So, I don't even remember what the deal with that was. I don't remember if it was like some standardized testing or something. I don't think so. I think it was just like per school. I think you could just um, test and see where your students are at. But anyway, um, I also we have our good softwares, but I wanted to talk about some bad ones. So one that came to mind for me, and I can let uh, Nate think about one that he had that was a bad, um, either one that he heard about or one that he was just, a, just he just hated. Uh, mine was Bonzi Buddy. So not because I hated Bonzi Buddy, but because of all the stories and things that I heard about Bonzi Buddy collecting information without user's approval, um, just the, how as such an innocent purple gorilla could full on just try to take over the whole computer um and he would just really try to help you with your calendar and stuff but secretly it was for something else way more evil um and just 
watching all these documentaries on Bonzi Buddy and just to think that the creators of Bonzi Buddy didn't really get in any trouble except for a small fine. They just are actually holding a, I think it's a advertising firm in the same company building that they made Bonzi Buddy in. So it's, it's just weird. Um, and I don't mean to shout out YouTubers in the show, but if you want to learn more about Bonzi Buddy and want to see what it is, uh, LGR, Lazy Game Reviews, actually does a really good documentary on Bonzi Buddy. Um, and we can uh, certainly include the link down in the show notes. So with that, um, we had a little bit of nostalgia, talked about some Apple products, and we're all prepped up, ready to go for tomorrow's Apple event. So we thank you all for watching. Or listening. Or listening. You can be watching on YouTube. You're just staring at a screen, though. Did I say watching? You did. You said thank you for watching. Oh, you can watch with your ears. So there you go. That works really well. It does, doesn't it? You can just be like having your ear up to your monitor. I, I think it worked great. I'm doing it right now, currently. I'm really glad your camera isn't turned on then. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening or watching. And we will see you next episode. We will talk to you next week. This will be Tuesday, uh, September, a number. I believe it'll be September 13th. Right? Math serves me correctly? Yeah, hey, it'll be next week, Tuesday, September 13th at 730 Woo!